morning, and we welcome you back to Alger Assembly of God. As I mentioning just a little bit ago, as, as we, we took part in communion a little bit ago, as we uh, were, were preparing and, and uh, singing to the Lord, there's a, certainly a lot of burdens, a lot of heaviness that, that many people are carrying. Because there's financial needs, there's physical needs, and there's emotional needs, and there's spiritual needs, and there's relational needs, and if I miss one, just know that there's a whole bunch of other needs out there, right? We've got needs that we bring with us. And so maybe you've come into church, and and you've come to worship, or you've come to sing, you've come to hear from God, but you kind of feel as if you were carrying burdens. Anybody feel like maybe you were kind of hunched over a little bit coming into church? Some of you are like, well, that, that's just my back, or that, that's just my, my pain, or that, that's just uh, you know, getting older and kind of leaning over a little bit. We understand some of those things are natural, but with some of the weights that you have, don't you, un- don't you sometimes feel as if these weights and burdens of life just sometimes they feel too much to handle? Sometimes we feel as if we, we just can't stand up under them. Again, for whatever reason, for whatever nature, we, we encounter a lot of difficulties. Certainly when it comes to uh, news from a doctor or financial difficulties or hearing news of the loss of a family member, th- those, are, those are big time issues. For me, it was a number of years ago to, to get that call about the of my dad. About 16 years ago, in, in my first place of ministry as a, a youth and associate pastor, and, and it was a, a Monday night, we were having worship practice with our young people. And this was, cell phones were in existence, but it wasn't as prevalent as everybody having them. I'm not sure that we had them yet. Imagine that. Adults with no cell phones. <gasps> It's hard to imagine young people without cell phones. This, this was adults, okay? 2002, just an eternity ago, right? 2002. And so we're at the church uh, leading our young people and our worship team in a time of, of practice for some of our youth services. And I believe it was my brother that had called the church. I don't know if they called a number of times, but Kim answers the phone. And I'll never forget, I'm on the platform, and, and she comes down the, the sanctuary, our youth sanctuary, mentioning that I had a phone call. And there's just, you just know there's, there's something about the way she said it that, uh, this doesn't sound good. How many of you have received a call kind of like that? And so I make my way into my office, and I, I answer the phone, and it's my brother letting me know that my dad had passed. It was, it was sudden. And when you get news like that, when you get word like that, your mind is just spinning. What do I do? How do I handle what's about to take place? And this is my dad. This is my world. This, this was my, my model, my mentor, all of those things. And your world changes as a result of some news. And you wonder, what do I do? What do I do now? I, I'm not lost somebody like that so close as, as a parent. And you're not necessarily expecting that. I hadn't hit 30 yet. No doubt many of you in, in different cases and times can look back. Many have, have lost a parent or lost a grandparent. So whether it's a situation like that or whether it's something else that you're facing right now, 
there's probably a time, or maybe now is the time, when you're facing something and you don't know what to do. How many of you have been there or are there or just, you know what I'm saying? You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know how to handle the stuff that's coming up. Well, this is kind of the situation that we're finding here in the Old Testament. I'm going to invite you to 2 Kings chapter 19. And what we see is King Hezekiah, who is the king of Israel, is facing one of these situations. And we're going to, while you're turning there, we're going to give you a little bit of a back, background to this situation. King Hezekiah is the king, and he began his reign as king of Israel at the age of 25. So we've got a young king. He is ruling. He's reigning. The Bible says he removed a number of the high places, as well as breaking some of the graven images of false gods. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, you see that God's people were not always the most faithful to God. God did some incredible things, and they would have their heart turned towards Him. But unfortunately, uh, through the influence of some of these neighboring countries, these neighboring nations, they would turn their hearts towards false gods, the gods of these neighboring lands, and they would follow after them, and they would make graven images, these high places. And so all of these things would be representative of false gods of neighboring countries. Well, King Hezekiah becomes king, and he tears down the high places, breaks down the graven images of some of these false gods. And in the 14th year of his reign, so he's, he's in his upper 30s, uh, uh, King Hezekiah. In the 14th year of his reign, King Sennacherib, big long name, king of Assyria, he attacks Judah and captures a number of their cities. Then he demands payment. 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. Ah, we hear that and we think, 330? That's not that big of a deal. I mean, uh, how much could a talent be anyway? I mean, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. We're not talking tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. We're probably talking in the millions. It's a lot of silver and that's a lot of gold. And it was a little bit of, it's almost a little bit of that extortion money, like, okay, you got to pay me this first, and, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do with you next. So King Hezekiah felt trapped. To raise the money, he was forced to take all of the silver elements and items from out of the temple, the holy place of God. All of the treasuries of God's house. He took the golden plates off of the doors of the temple and gold from the pillars of the temple. I mean, it's basically like saying somebody came up to you and said, you've got to raise a hundred bucks or you've got to raise a thousand bucks by tomorrow. What do you do? You look around and you find anything worth anything and, and you're grabbing and selling and pawning. You're, you're trying to get your hands on some funds. So he's saying, where can we get something that's worth something? They're going to take it from the temple, the holy place. So taking gold, taking silver, and they're trying to raise all of this to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria then sent his army out to summon Judah to surrender. 
King Hezekiah of Israel then commissioned several of his principal ministers to meet these deputies. So it was, it was kind of like the, some of the leaders of the king of Assyria and some of the leaders of the king of Israel, and they were going to meet together. And those from Assyria brought this letter from the king. So the deputy of the king of Assyria comes out, and he mocks Israel's army. Here's what he says. He basically says, I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can even ride them. In other words, what's he saying? You and Israel, you're so pitiful, you don't stand a chance against us in Assyria. You're so pitiful, we'll fight you with both arms behind our backs. You've heard that before, right? I can beat you with both hands behind my back kind of what the king of, a, of Assyria is saying. Through his deputies, he's saying, hey, I'll give you 2,000 horses for battle. But he's mocking them. He's basically saying, number one, I don't even think you'd have anybody who could ride them. And if so, it's not going to make any difference because we're bigger and stronger and more powerful than you. So this is going from bad to worse. Anybody ever had a situation that felt like you were going from bad to worse? That's what King Hezekiah is getting at. So he hears about all of this. He receives this letter from the king. He, he tears his clothes as the sign of remorse. He expresses horror at, at the blasphemy, at, at what they're saying about Israel and about the God of Israel. So what does Hezekiah do? Oh, here's a better question. Here's a more personal question. What would you do? What would you do? You're the king. You're the one in charge. You're the one in leadership of this nation. And somebody else is coming. He's going to attack. He's extorting money out of you. Says he's going to basically wipe you off the face of the earth with his army. Mocks you. Mocks God in the process. What do you do? When you don't know what to do. What we're going to be looking at today in King Hezekiah's response is really going to be a little bit of a model for us. How do you handle difficult times? How do you handle those burdens that weigh you down? In a sense, he's going to show us how we can give those burdens away, give those burdens to the Lord. So I trust, I don't hear any more pages flipping, 2 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to look through some of this together. First of all, take a look at verse 14. As Hezekiah begins to share this first principle about how do we give our burdens away. Number one, connect to God's presence. Verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. So he'd gotten this letter from the king of Assyria, outlining and, and detailing all of, of what he was going to do. So he gets this letter. He says, God, I don't know what to do. So he goes to God. He connected to God. He got in God's presence as a great first principle for you and I. When we don't know what to do, go to God. Doesn't that seem so basic? But does that always seem like we follow it? Not always. 
Because sometimes the challenge is we feel like we want to handle things ourselves. And then if I can't, then maybe I'll go to God. Right away, the first thing he did was to go to God. Get in God's presence. Take his need to God. Did he have leaders around him? Yes. Did he have some who were overseeing various aspects of his nation? Yes. But the first thing, he gets this letter from the king. He says, God, I don't know what to do. I'm going to get in your presence, and I'm going to surrender this to you. I think the encouragement for you and I is, let this be a regular, let this be an intentional effort on our part of connecting to God. Because not all the time do we come to God all the time. The challenge is, sometimes it's only when things go wrong that we turn to God. Now, we can. I mean, we can turn to Him at any time. But I want to encourage us, connect to God's presence, not just when things get tough, not just when difficulties come, Make sure that we're spending time with God and spending time in his presence on a regular basis, building that relationship with him. But certainly, when times are tough and difficulties come, we can get in his presence. Make that a priority. Whose presence do you get into when things are difficult? Maybe there's a a spouse friend, a parent, a grandparent, there's a a friend of the family, you know, there's somebody that maybe you know or somebody that you trust and somebody that you kind of go and you, you bounce ideas off of. Those can be good. Those can be beneficial. Those can be helpful. God can use those things, but let's not do those, but yet neglect God. Let's let's make sure we don't neglect God, but we go to Him, connect to God. Connect to his presence. King Hezekiah is basically saying what what many times we say. God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know how to handle this. God, this situation with my family has just erupted. God, this situation in my physical body, I just got news from a doctor, and God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm I'm staring at these bills and, and finances, and God, I don't know where to turn. When all of those situations come, let's go to God. Connect to God and get in His presence. We can place our burdens before Him. We don't have to carry them alone. You ever try to to lift something or carry something heavy by yourself? At some point, maybe you have. And, and typically the thought is, well, I can do it myself. Man or woman, sometimes it's just, a, I can do it myself. I don't need to bother you. I don't, need to, I don't need to worry. I'll just do it myself. Anyone ever had some issues result from trying to carry something, trying to lift something yourself? Sometimes physically we overexert ourselves. How much easier is it to lift or carry something when there's a second or a third or a fourth person with you, how much easier is it to try to carry and handle the burdens of life when we're not trying to stand up under it all by ourselves? Hezekiah's example for us is go to God. 
And when difficulties come and trials come and burdens come and all these situations affecting us come, we can go to God, connect to Him in His presence. Secondly, second principle, I believe, is we can trust then in God's resources. Here's verse 15. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. So he comes to God. He gets in God's presence. He's connecting to him. And now, as a part of his prayer, what he's saying is, God, I can trust in you because you're a personal God. He starts out by saying, Lord, the God of Israel. You're, you're our God, my God. You're a personal God. You're not just somebody out there, over there. I can trust in you. You're a personal God that has a relationship with me. Don't you enjoy when there's that personal connection? I mean, when you know somebody who's, who's able to help your situation, you know somebody who knows how to fix something. Fix a car. Fix something in the house. When, when you've got that connection, man, it, it's great to say, I can trust this person because, man, they know what they're doing. It's not going out and just trying to look all around for somebody. Hezekiah is saying, I can trust him. He's a personal God. He knows me. I've got this relationship with him. We can serve, we serve a God who knows everything about you and knows everything about me. He knows the situations that we're facing. He knows the difficulties, the, the struggles, the challenges. He's, he's a personal God, but he's also a powerful God. Hezekiah is reminding himself, and it's a, a great lesson for us, He's over all the kingdoms. He's created. He's made heaven and earth. That's power. That's might. He's not coming to God as some wimpy God up in heaven. He's coming to someone who has the strength and the power and the resources to step into whatever situation it is that is being faced. And this is a pretty severe one that Hezekiah is facing. You can trust that God has the power and God has the resources to meet your need. Now, we can look around and, and sometimes God uses other individuals to help, but we've got limited resources. Many times we can help to a degree. In whatever situation it is that we're facing, God has all of the power, all of the strength, all of the resources to meet our needs. Hezekiah is saying, you can trust him. You can trust his resources. You can trust his presence. You can trust his power. He says, you can trust him and his peace. We sang about that this morning. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, about a peace that passes all understanding that would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And it's, it's difficult to understand because when our world's falling apart, we don't think we're going to have peace. And yet, as Hezekiah is leading us, as Hezekiah is living out some of these principles, he's saying we can come to God and receive his peace. 
I'm living testimony of the fact of receiving God's peace. In the midst of that time, uh, hearing the news about my dad, and, and all of a sudden you're changing you know, all of what you had planned for that night and the next day and the next day and the week. Everything, all your plans go out the window as you make, make plans to head to Missouri with mom and family and you're making funeral arrangements. And in that moment you're saying, how in the world can I have a peace to know that I'm not going to see or hear? my dad's face or voice here on earth again. Where can peace come out of that? Maybe you felt the same way. And yet this particular verse, I've said it in in many different funerals that I've done over the years. This particular verse became so vivid to me after the loss of my dad. That in the midst of a time when there was hurt, in the midst of a time of loss, there was a peace that passed all understanding. I couldn't explain it. In the loss of my dad, how could there be peace? Yet there was. Not from me, but from God. And Hezekiah is saying, we can experience that same thing. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether that's the the challenges of, of our physical bodies, or finances, relationships, emotions, whatever the case might be, we can trust in God and His resources. Thirdly, there's a third principle from King Hezekiah. He encourages us to get God's perspective. Verses 16, 17, and 18 read like this. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words King Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. What he's encouraging us to do is don't rely on our perspective, our vision. He says, we've got to get God's perspective. He's acknowledging that there's some obstacles here. He's not kind of like the ostrich. He's not sticking his head in the sand and saying, you know, la, 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 nothing's happening here. Everything's perfect when nothing is. He's acknowledging there's some pretty serious obstacles. He's telling God, listen, King Sennacherib of Assyria, he's big time. They've taken over some other lands. They are strong. They are powerful. God, you see them. In my vision, God, this seems way too big to overcome. He's basically saying, God, help me get your vision. Help me get your perspective on things. Doesn't it change a little bit when you see somebody else's perspective? I want to look at this. I I think about those uh, those funhouse mirrors. You guys seen those many times at the fair? I remember as a, as a little boy, it's, it's weird because as I keep getting older and older and older, being a little boy is farther and farther and farther ago. I remember, anybody remember a restaurant called The Ground Round? Was there one around here in Ohio? We had one in, in Illinois growing up. The Ground Round. And I remember in their, in their waiting area, they had like two or three of these funhouse mirrors. 
And it was always fun as, as you know, a, a little boy to kind of stand in front of these funhouse mirrors. And, and maybe you've seen them certainly in some of the fairs and some of these other things since. Actually, uh, we saw them in one of the, uh, the places we went over the summer as a family. But these are, are mirrors that, uh, you know, they're, they're wavy. They're not just a straight mirror that you would have on the wall. So you stand in front of them. And as you stand in front of this one, this first one makes you look, you know, short and wide. Like, as wide as you are tall, you look like this, you know, stubby little smurf. You know, and you're doing little things and making faces, and you see your image or your perspective look a whole lot different than the way you think you are. So then you go, and you move to the next one, and you stand in front of it, and now you look like a string bean. I mean, you look tall and narrow and skinny. And so you go back to this one, short and wide, Take another step, tall and skinny. And then you go, you go to the third one. And I mean, each, each mirror is different. The perspective is different. It's based on that, that mirror. So many times, we're standing in front of these mirrors of life. And we're looking at our, our situation. We're looking at our challenge. And to us, we look at that and we say, this is impossible. Physical, financial, relational, spiritual, emotional, whatever the case might be, our vision, our perspective, what we see, God, this, this, this just looks impossible. There's no way I can overcome this. We've got to get God's vision. We've got to get God's perspective. What we're seeing in that mirror, that's not the reality. God sees us, as we who, sees us as who we are. God sees us as who we can be. God sees us as how he can enter into our lives, enter into our situations. He can help and rescue and assist and heal and provide and comfort and encourage and restore. Are we going to see things from our perspective as in, God, this is hopeless, helpless, and impossible? Do we see it from God's perspective that he is able to step in and help? God can work in any situation. In fact, in the New Testament, we read this. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Our vision, our perspective often is, God, <laughs> this is impossible. Let's get God's vision. Let's get God's perspective. Let's assess his opportunity to heal, to encourage, to provide, to supply, to restore. John Maxwell, a pastor and leader, was writing and talking about miracles What's interesting, he said, is as you look through the New Testament particularly, not every single miracle that was performed was somebody there that had faith, or in, in fact, not every miracle involved somebody being there at all. Sometimes it was somebody who came on the behalf of the sick and afflicted. They said, oh, but they've got to be there for God to do something. Actually, in some cases, God honored the faith, God healed the individual, and when they went back home, they saw a miracle. The common denominator, he was saying, is that if you have a problem, you're a candidate for a miracle. I like that. 
How many of you with an uplifted hand or an inside uplifted hand would say, yeah, I've got a problem. I've got a situation. I've got physical, financial, spiritual, relational, emotional needs. If you've got some needs, you're a candidate for a miracle. Let's get God's perspective on it. Our perspective is, God, I can't face it. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. Get God's perspective. God, I'm going to bring them to you. I'm going to get into your presence I'm going to trust in your resources. I'm going to get your perspective. And then finally, final principle from King Hezekiah is this. Let's seek God's answer. Verse 19. In his prayer, he says, Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. King Hezekiah, he went to God. He said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm turning to you. I'm trusting in you. I'm seeking your answer. Hezekiah didn't have the answer. That's why he went to God. He put that letter. He spread that out before the Lord. He prayed to God. He he connected to God. We've got to find our solutions in God and then follow through with God as he speaks, as he guides, as he directs. Now, the result of seeking God was deliverance. Now, we're going to read, and we're going to read a little bit of a lengthy passage here. I want to give you the heads up that God might not necessarily work this way in your situation, but it's a testimony of the fact that God can move, God can direct, God can overcome seemingly helpless and hopeless situations. Hezekiah was seeking God's answer, How are we going to face King King Sennacherib of Assyria, this powerful army? They're mocking us. They they said they'd give us 2,000 horses if we could even ride them or put somebody on them. We just took all the gold and silver out of the house of God to try to give money, and now they want more? They're going to destroy us, God. Take a look. Drop down to verse 32 and following. Here's what took place. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Here's God speaking. He says, here's what I'm going to do, King Hezekiah. I'm going to defend it. I'm going to save it. Verse 35. That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day while he was worshiping in the temple of his god, Nisroch, his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer, killed him with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, succeeded him as king. All right. So this is not necessarily what you and I pray about. God just destroy everybody that's causing me problems. In this particular case, this is how God chose to respond. God intervened in a pretty incredible, a pretty phenomenal, 
a way that would not have been anticipated. Would you agree? This is not how you would have anticipated things to take place. But God's answer was, the king withdrew. He was no more. King Hezekiah and Israel were saved by God's power. As we take a look at this this lesson, if you would, from King Hezekiah, he's encouraging us. Spending time with God, it's got to be a priority in our life. Yes, we can go to God when times get tough. We can go to God at any time. But let's make sure that we are spending time with God in his presence on a regular basis. We can remember to trust in his resources. We look at the, the situations that we face, and they seem pretty large. They seem like there's just no way we can overcome them based on the resources we have. But we can trust him, his power, his promises, his presence. He's able to meet those needs. We can get his perspective. Things seem, man, they, th- they seem overwhelming. They seem like there's no way that, that we could ever overcome what it is that we're facing. But get God's vision, get God's perspective. Something that seems so hard to you sometimes can be so easy to somebody else. Whether it's cars, computers, cell phones. I mean, there, there's so many things that are difficult for one person and a piece of cake for somebody else, right? So the things we look at and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to face this. God in his strength and his power, his might, his love, he says, I've got this. We can handle it together. Trust in him. Get his perspective and seek his answer. 